0: Hi, my name is Todd Briner. I get to serve at New Vision as the online and student pastor. And today we're on day 16 of our Exodus podcast, and I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 8, 20 through 32. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It's the story of the fourth plague, the plague of flies. Verse 20. Then the Lord told Moses, get up early in the morning and stand in Pharaoh's way as he goes down to the river. Say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they can worship me. If you refuse, then I will send swarms of flies on you, your officials, your people, and all the houses. The Egyptian homes will be filled with flies and the ground will be covered with them. But this time I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. No flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and that I am present even in the heart of your land. I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. And the Lord did just as he had said. A thick swarm of flies filled Pharaoh's palace and the houses of his officials. The whole land of Egypt was thrown into chaos by the flies. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. All right, go ahead and offer sacrifices to your God, he said, but do it here in this land. But Moses replied, That wouldn't be right. The Egyptians detest the sacrifices that we offer to the Lord our God. Look, if we offer our sacrifices here where the Egyptians can see us, they will stone us. We must take a three-day trip into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, just as he has commanded us. All right, go ahead, Pharaoh replied. I will let you go into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God, but don't go too far away. Now hurry and pray for me. Moses answered, As soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord, and tomorrow the swarms of flies will disappear from you and your officials and all your people. But I am warning you, Pharaoh, don't lie to us again and refuse to let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses left Pharaoh's palace and pleaded with the Lord to remove all the flies. And the Lord did as Moses asked and caused the swarms of flies to disappear from Pharaoh, his officials, and his people. Not a single fly remained, but Pharaoh again became stubborn and refused to let his people go. So if you're like me, you kind of learned these plagues growing up in church, and you kind of saw them in the Moses movie or in that one Sunday school lesson, and and you probably just kind of grazed over them. But I want you to think really about what kind of devastation these plagues would have brought. And so we're looking at the fourth plague, the plague of flies. And here's Some of the interesting things you see about all these plagues. But this one's very interesting because it's the first plague that doesn't affect the whole nation of Egypt. It says that God's people, the people living in Goshen, the Israelites, will be spared. And so we see God's grace of his people. And that's just something to keep in mind. But each of these plagues is very interesting because it's showing God's power Over the power of the Egyptian gods. It's saying that I have the true power. And what's very interesting is Pharaoh considered himself a god. He was worshipped as a god. And so God is saying it's not your gods. It's me, the one true god who has control. And see in fact Egypt had a god that coincided with the flies. They had a god known as U-A-T-C-H-I-T, that was represented by the fly. And so God's saying that your fly is not a God, but I control the flies. The God that you worship has a fly. I'm really the real God. I'm the true God, and I have control over this in all of nature. But I want to kind of get with two questions that I think help us in our walks with God. And our walk as a follower of Jesus. Because one thing you see in every plague is the one true God over the gods of Egypt. Over the gods that were worshipped in the Nile, the gods that were worshipped in livestock, the gods that were worshipped for the weather. That God, the God of the Bible, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is really in control and really can bring satisfaction, and really is the one that should be worshiped. And so I got to kind of thinking about us. No, most of us don't worship bulls or flies or frogs. But isn't there a lot of things that we give our worship to that we put at a higher value than God? I think the story of the plagues is telling us that God is in control. Not our gods of money, our gods of fame, our gods of possessions, our gods of maybe our kids, all these things that we worship here on earth that we think are going to bring us satisfaction. The real satisfaction comes only from the one true God. He's the one that's in control. So I want you kind of to think and ask yourself, does my life show that I worship God or am I worshiping all these little g gods that the one God The true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is greater than and can only bring true satisfaction. Another thing I think we see in this passage is the reaction of Pharaoh. See, you see two times where Pharaoh's basically like turning to God or turning to God through Moses. And he's asking them to take away the flies, to take away the plague. He says it here in 25, verse 25, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. All right. There's an exclamation point in my Bible. All right, go ahead and offer sacrifices to your God, he said, but do it here in this land. So here's what he's saying. He's saying like, okay, I need God to stop this. So I'm going to let it happen. I'm going to reach out to God. Later on, he says this, now hurry and pray for me. It's like this idea that Pharaoh wanted God, not for a relationship with him, but because he needed him. Because he knew there was no way to get out of this plague. There was no way to get rid of the flies. And so he reached out to God as a last resort. And what you see here at the end is that Pharaoh hardens his heart. And so when God shows up, when God brings deliverance, Pharaoh goes back to his own ways. See, he calls on God when he needs him. He wants God's help when he needs it. But then he goes back to living his own ways and worshiping himself. And I got to thinking about this. Isn't that something that we do all the time with God? We'll reach out to God when we need something. We'll reach out to God when we're in trouble. We'll reach out to God when we're desperate. But then in our daily life, we want to live our own way. We want to be in control ourselves. We want to kind of sometimes treat ourselves like the own little God that we worship ourselves. Instead of always going to God. I always like to give this idea. And I know some of you are driving in your car right now, so you may be able to really identify with what I'm saying. See, I remember back when I first started driving, I got my driver's license at about 17 years old. And I remember when you first start to drive, you really start to notice things. And I remember as I was driving, I noticed a car in front of me, and they had a bumper sticker on the back. And it said, God is my co pilot. And about the time that I got serious about God, my relationship with him was also the time where I started, you know, driving. And so I saw that, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And saying, you know, I'm driving the car, and God's like right here on my life, and God's right there kind of helping me out and giving me guidance, and I'm listening to them a little bit. But as I got to thinking about it, and as I got to think about thinking God is my co-pilot, it dawned on me. God is not supposed to be our co-pilot. God is not supposed to be our co-pilot. God is supposed to have complete and total control of our lives. See, if you think about it like this, I want you to think about this. If your life was a car, if your life was a car, where would God be? Where would God be? Would he be in the driver's seat where God is kind of having control of your life and he's saying, you take it wherever you want, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to let you lead me? Or is he maybe in that co-pilot seat? Is he maybe riding shotgun where he kind of helps you out a little bit when you need him, when you don't know what you're doing, you turn to him? Or is he maybe in the backseat? He's maybe in the backseat driver. He's kind of a you know backseat, I got three kids and they're in the back of our van and when we're driving on road trips, you know, they're just yelling and and screaming and they're trying to get your attention and they're complaining. Is that maybe where you have God? Or maybe I want you to think about this because I think this is where a lot of people try to place God. If your life was a car, where would God be? For most of us, oftentimes myself included, he wouldn't be in the driver's seat. He wouldn't be in the steering wheel. He wouldn't be riding shotgun. He wouldn't be in, even in the back seat. For a lot of us, if we were honest, God would be in the trunk. For a lot of us, God would be that spare tire. You know how the spare tire works, right? Some of you may not even know where your spare tire is. Some of you may not even know if you have a spare tire. Because what's a spare tire there? Spare tire's there for emergencies. You just hope it's there when you need it. You just hope it's there when you break down or you get a flat. And I think for a lot of us, that's how we treat God. When there's an emergency, when we need help and we can't get it done on our own, or we can't turn to any worldly things, any earthly help, we'll turn to God and beg for his help. And just hope he's there in an emergency. And then you know what? So many times God comes through just like he came through for Pharaoh, just like he came through and got rid of the plagues, but then you know what happens? We put him back in the trunk until the next emergency. And then we call for him again and ask for his help. So as you're listening today, I want you to think about that. If your life was a car, where's God? Where's Jesus? He's in control of the world. He's in control of everything. That's what the plagues show. But let's let him have control of our life. Let's not put him in the passenger seat. Let's not put them in the back seat. Let's not put them in the trunk. Let's let God have the steering wheel of our lives. Release that. Let Jesus, let God have it. Let him drive our lives. Let me pray for us today. God, thank you for giving us examples of your power in scripture. Your power and control over everything. Even the gods of our own lives. And I pray, God, that we would let you have control of our lives. And we would give you the steering wheel of our lives and let us lead, let you lead us wherever you want to go. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.